Hey everybody, welcome to the Actual Garbage Podcast, Consumption Log 13. I'm your host, David Paddock. To my, across from me in cyberspace, we've got Jacob Paddock. It's me again. We are here to discuss Firewatch. Um, Firewatch came out not all that long ago from a group of people called Campo Santo, which is made up of a dream team of a variety of people who are into the Uh, We can call it moral choice systems in video games, but more generally, it's just games where you have choices and they affect either the dialogue or the way the story progresses. Uh, The Walking Dead was a very popular example of this from Telltale. One of the lead designers on that particular game was one of the lead designers in this game. Upon further investigation, uh, actually both creative leads from the Walking Dead series from Telltale, Jake Rodkin and Sean Vanneman, both left to found Campo Santo. And so they got together a bunch of people who were into that kind of deal and they put together this what for games like this is very low key. I mean, this fits into to answer the uh, the intractable question. What What is is Firewatch? Firewatch? (laughs) You play as a fire lookout in 1987 in a national park in Boulder, Colorado, and relatively little happens in this game. Like there's suspense and there's a love interest, but. It's pretty chill. Yeah, it's definitely a very low-key game. Uh, Before we start, I would say if you have any interest in playing a story-based video game, I would just, like, pause this and go play it. Yeah. Uh, Because a big part of what made the game good for me was knowing nothing about, about it beforehand and discovering it as I go through it. It is like a movie... Uh, that you don't want to see twice, like the big reveal. And as soon as the big reveal happens, you get nothing out of it the second time. That's kind of how this game feels because it is the experience of crafting these characters in a way that you like both of them and seeing them off into the sunset at the end. Which I totally violated because as part of my review policy, I did play through the game two times. Uh, once I didn't necessarily drive the second time I let, uh, let Mike take care of it the second time, but uh, he chose almost all the same things I did, so I didn't get to see anything new. Um, but I did at least get to go through it, and it it works fine a second time. It's uh, it's written well enough, and there's enough atmosphere to it that you can get away with it. But the game is short enough that if you haven't played it and anything we say appeals to you, feel free to turn this off and go do that and then come back. Yeah, definitely. I I don't know if I would say this was a fantastic game. Like I didn't walk away from it going, yeah, but I'm, I'm very happy. I spent my time with it. I agree with that. Definitely. No, I, I definitely, I have a lot of sticking points with the game that don't weigh it down enough to lose the recommendation, but it's not perfect. No, but it does enough things that most video games do badly, very well to where it feels good the whole way through. All right, so where do we want to start with this deal? Do we Uh, want to actually try to go through the game, or do we want to just get into the points immediately? I was going to hit the points that aren't going to be talked about much, like the general, like the look of the game is very, very stylized, uh, and it fits very well to what they were trying to do. They didn't try to make it realistic. They just tried to make it good. Yeah, good enough in a whimsical way to where 
it's pretty aesthetically so it can complement what's going on. So it's not like, oh, I have to slog through this horrible, ugly looking game. It's, oh, I'm in a pretty place trying to do all these fancy things. Yeah, it looks it, like the Unity game. It very much yes. it has that indie game feel of four people in a room for a couple of years made uh, yes. made all these graphics, but they're pretty graphics. Yeah, they're pretty graphics. The gameplay is basically non-existent. There's yeah. yeah, it's there are no puzzles. There's almost no interacting. But it's not on rails. It's open world in a sense where it's a big, pretty world that you kind of want to explore. But it's set up in such a way that you don't really want to explore. You want to just kind of keep moving it along. The one thing that kept popping into my mind with this was it felt like a, a, a page turner. It's not that you wanted to go read up about the lore. You just wanted to see where the story took you through this world. Oh, I guess at this point, and we probably should have brought this up right up front, uh, the only other person you really interact with in this game, uh, you play as Henry or Hank, depending on how gruff you are with uh, your dialogue choices, and you're talking on a radio with your boss, Julia, through the whole, or not, no, not Julia. Julia. Uh, I know, Julia's your wife. Yeah. Delilah. Delilah, there we go. Jesus. Just got done playing this thing again, too. Uh. No, uh, and Delilah and you have a sassy rapport or a cordial rapport, depending on which way you go with it. And that's that's sort of, you know, that's where all of the tension comes from. That's where all the dialogue in the game is, uh, the interaction between Delilah and Henry. And you get to craft, to some extent, what that looks like, um, which is weird because this is, this is one of those odd things about the, the moral choice system as it appeared over the last decade in video games is that there is a really obvious precursor to video games having these choices that matter and that's tabletop rpgs tabletop rpgs like dungeons and dragons have always had this because you can always craft as dynamic a world as you want to just by doing different things in a way video games didn't used to allow and even in a game like firewatch which does a very good job of blending your options together so that they seem cohesive no matter what you pick. It's still got this weird confinement because you are not Henry and you have to pick choices that they gave you. And that seems like it would just be, it seems like that would just outright be a bad thing comparatively, but it's really hard to pretend to be someone you're not. So there's still value in video games doing this where you have to, you know, Henry has there is no way to get around this. When Henry meets Julia, it's in a bar and he's drunk and they get a dog and they don't start a family. And like, there's stuff about Henry that you have no control over. So it's not, you, you only get to impose some amount of you on top of Henry, but it's just enough that you don't have to, you know, you don't have to just deal with being Henry the whole game. Yeah, and that's that's what's kind of good about it is the the other character you interact with Delilah is is just just bland enough <laughs> but just comforting enough where they don't have to give you any choice with her. Delilah's just going to be Delilah. And she's you can take her or leave her, but she works well off of Henry no matter how you decide to play Henry. 
because you can play Henry as this uh, happy-go-lucky guy who is just caught in a bad situation. All he wants to do is move on with his life. Or you can play him off as the angry drunk who's annoyed his life has gone to hell. Yeah. Um, and the brilliant thing is, is neither ch- no choice matters. It's what I kind of like about what they did is they give you the illusion of choice, but all they're really giving you is a way to tailor the character that way you don't get sick of him. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's actually I, I kind of liked this mo- this game better than most movies because this this game was kind of set out to be a movie. It really feels that way because it's you're just walking through these environments and these big set pieces and there's a there's a mystery going on and they're just doing character development but in a movie you're stuck with the character they give you so if you think the main character is a douche there's nothing you can do about it that's the the director's decision so you don't you can't connect with that character if you don't like him the good thing about henry is they leave him just blank enough and give you just enough choice where you can usually make a Henry you like, and as a result, you end up liking Delilah as well because she's just bland enough to play off of any Henry you decide to have. But it has no impact on the story. The, the, the designer of the, the story and the characters has a vision of how he wants this interaction to go, and you can make him – and you can change it just enough to where you like the character but not enough to derail – where the story is going and how it's going to wrap up. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's the primary difference between this and games that a lot of people may be familiar with, like mass effect, where they try to make it so that your choices really matter. Like people live and die based on what you're doing. Your choices are not like that in this game. Fate plays a massive role in how everything comes out. And it, it starts in the very, very first line of the game, which ironically, and we'll probably come back to this when you meet Julia, it is literally the first thing you do in the game is there's text that says you meet Julia in a bar and you have to click on it. You don't have a choice because fate brought you to Julia. And that that sets the pretense for how much real agency you have through the whole story is that, you know, you are going to meet Julia. You're going to end up with this job. And there are things you can do um, along the way, but they are flavor They are to make sure that. It feels like you have something going on and you are you are impacting certain details. But fate, (laughs) fate plays a massive role in how everything comes together, Uh, which I don't hold against it. That's uh, yeah. No, I think I can't think of a game I played that's done it quite like this, but they they executed it perfectly that you get choice, but not really. Cause I find that when they give you full choice, you it the, you can't connect with any of the characters because you can't write a game. You can't create two games. <laughs> it has to be that game, that character. You can't, you can't have a character you can connect with, uh, that the, that the player has full agency over because there's no way for your actors to bounce off of that. So by by every now and again, only giving you one choice, they basically say, hey, you, you yeah, like you said, they can give you you can give Henry flavor. But when it comes to a gut reaction or a spur of the moment thing, Henry's going to be Henry. Yeah. 
Yeah, you are not Henry. I mean, you are. <laughs> that's that's one weird thing about the way that this is put together. I'm going to keep comparing this to Mass Effect because a it's one of my it's one of my touchstones for it, and b a lot of people know what I'm talking about presumably when I talk about Mass Effect. You get to name Shepard in Mass Effect. Shepard is supposed to be you. You are not Henry. <laughs> Henry yeah. is this guy, and you're just following him around in the world, and occasionally you get to be the conscience in his head that determines what he says, whether he's being a jerk or being a nice guy and that kind of stuff, um, or picking up the beer cans and disposing of them, uh, yep. as, the, <laughs> as the choice may be. Um, so, yeah, and that's you know the, the primary crux of what's going on. The mystery is... Uh, Someone is listening on the radio. So the one way that you're talking to another human being is being monitored in this game in some unknown fashion for most of the game. Um, well, I would say half of it. The first half, you don't even know about that. It feels like a mystery right out of the gate, though, because they do a really good job of if you ever go into the woods and it's real quiet and there's no one around you always get real nervous of stuff. Like if you hear crackling or you hear your footsteps, the grass creaking back up, you're always thinking about that. That's always in the back of your mind. So they do a pretty good job of putting a couple of smaller mysteries that aren't really mysteries. They're just you overthinking stuff. Oh, I yeah. They did a pr- I think they did a pretty good job with that. Yeah. So so it's, it's, like, the, uh, uh, it's like a good horror film is kind of why I really liked how the the writing and the storytelling unfolded because a good horror film, they don't have to show you the monster going, Oh, I'm scary. Run. They, they give you enough context where you don't want to meet the monster. Yeah. They keep, they get, they let you build the tension because if you build the tension, you'll be connected with it. But if you let someone else build tension, what, how they see it, it won't quite click with you. So a lot of the mysteries are real small and subtle intentionally so that you build this whole narrative. It's like, oh, God, there must be some kind of conspiracy theory here. There must be aliens monitoring us or the government's uh, tainting the water so they can pay attention to it. And you start coming up with these ideas for what's going on. And in the end, it ends up being much more mundane than you thought it was. Like, for I'll give an example of one of them where you encounter two teenagers who are causing problems. Uh, they start a campfire when they're not supposed to. They're throwing beer cans everywhere. Uh, and this is another choice for Henry as well, where you can choose to pick up the beer cans. It makes no difference, but in your mind, you go, oh, he's going to pick up trash because he wants it to stay nice. Yeah, but he's going to have to be here for months. He's going to yeah. pick this stuff up. And the teenagers threaten to get you in trouble uh, if you steal one of their uh, alcohol bottles. Because you go through their camp and they have a bottle of expensive alcohol and you have the choice to pick it up or not. So if you pick it up, you get a note later saying, oh, they're going to threaten to turn you in. So there's this huge worry that they are the ones who are causing you all this un, uh, this duress. And then they just dispel that at the end where it's like, no, they didn't do anything. You just made all that up in your head. <laughs> Yeah, to some extent. Yeah, well, and that's uh, there's a there's a fantastic section. You were saying uh, building uh, building your own excuses to be scared. I mean, every single time I was rappelling up or down a cliff, you can look up to the top, and because this is a video game, it seemed perfectly reasonable to expect at any 
time that some dark shadowy figure was going to appear at the top of one of those. Yes. And and the animation is just long enough that it always feels like that's about to happen, which I thought that was really good. Yeah. I'd actually forgotten about that. That was brilliantly done because when you have your first encounter with the, the main, I guess I'll call him an antagonist, not a bad guy. The main antagonist, um, you don't get along with him, I'll say. (laughs) So when I was climbing the rocks to get back to the building, there's a particularly long one that ends with a sign at the top. So they're basically setting it up for a jump scare. And when they get to the top, they pause for a couple of seconds. And then when he's lifting himself up, he looks down before he looks what's on the top of the cliff. And I go, okay, the guy's going to be there and he's going to push you. And then you get up and nothing happens. It's like, oh, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I was super nervous that whole time for nothing. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's really good that it does a really good job with that kind of stuff. And then there are a bunch of there are a bunch of other great false flags. Like there's a point where you <laughs> you open up a uh, you open up a directory box and a bee comes out and the bee stings you and you can radio back to Delilah that you got stung by a bee. Because you're in an area that you're not supposed to be in. You're, like, trespassing on a research site. So everything seems important. So you, yeah. you, can, you can get on the radio and go, I just got stung by a bee. And I was like, did it hurt? He's like, yeah, kind of. And, like, that's all that comes. Like, there's nothing. But you're so on edge. Because, again, it's a video game. So everything has to be important. And yeah. you can make Henry act like literally everything's important. See, but that's actually actually one thing that I found uh, kind of relieving is everything is not particularly important in this game. There's no, a lot of stuff. There's a, like most of the stuff in the game is like we said, just building Henry. Like, like you can be that whiny guy who always complains, but it always makes sense to radio in something like that because Delilah is your only contact so whenever something happens he always vents immediately to the only person who's there so they have so the the creative director for the writing did a really good job of making the characters uh making delilah just understanding enough and henry just sarcastic enough where you can kind of believe that he would say something dumb like that and she would try to baby him and say, stop talking basically. Yeah. It works really well. One thing that I did notice also, uh, is what also made me think this is more like a movie is the music choice. It's not like a lot of video game music now is very memorable. Like you can listen to it outside of the game, but there are almost no movies that you would listen to the soundtrack outside of the movie with because it's very contextual. Yeah. This mo- this game is very much built like a movie. The the music is just there to build and release tension. And it does a really good job of that because yeah. like was mentioned earlier on the rock part when you're climbing, there's music playing that gets slightly more intense and you don't notice it, but your brain does. <laughs> So as you're slowly climbing the rocks, the the music's getting more and more tense. So your brain goes, oh, God, something's about to happen. And I think they played played that very, very well in this as well. 
I mean, how did you, I, you, you said that the, the anticlimax, the sort of mundane ending didn't, I mean, did it bug you at all? How sort of anticlimactic the end of the game was? I w- the the dumb naive part of me was thinking, oh man, I hope it wraps up real nice and they ride off into the sunset. <laughs> but it's one of those, like, I'm okay with the way it went. Yeah. It's and and it was it a kind for me it kind of was a sobering moment where it was I am not this character and also uh, the game takes place over what three weeks I believe ninety days is that right um. I thought it was longer than that. Well, three weeks isn't 90 days anyway. Three months? Three months. That sounds fine. Yeah, let's go with that. It's, it's about that. And it's one of those, like, a very intentional design decision. Because after three months, you really don't know a person. <laughs> so you build this narrative in your head if you're a hopeless romantic of, oh, these people are going to get together and they're going to love each other. But then the the harsh uh, skeptical will go, no, you've only known them for three months, and both of you are damaged goods. So there's going to be a lot of reservations on both sides. Well, and so, you've never actually met. This yeah. Is all, this is all long distance. Yeah. And it remains that way, even though Julia, Julia attempts to bridge that gap by drawing you. Yes, um, which, which I thought, thought was a great uh, reveal when you finally get to her cabin, but she is not there, uh, and you get to look around because it's it basically tells you exactly everything you knew about Delilah, but it's all confirmed. So it's not just what you think. It's oh okay. And then the other, I, the other climax. I, how effective did you think uh, finding finding Bri- spoilers by the way finding Brian's body in the. Uh- yeah, if you if you still plan on playing it, you've listened for too long at this point. But yeah, whatever, uh, it's fine. But um, it definitely hit me more than a than a than most murders in a game because most murders are in a game are, hey, that guy's selling snake oil. Get on the back of this uh, coach and murder the whole town so they don't tell mm-hmm. nobody. Yep. Uh, so that's kind of. W- like the experience of death is like a, a main character dies and they expect you to feel sad, but it's not a movie. It, it's a game. They give you too much liberty. So I have no attachment to the characters. Um, I didn't like how they played it leading up to it, but I thought the reveal was really good because it felt like too much of an information dump just before you get there. Because when you stumble across Brian's camp, his little his camp that he used to go to when he was a kid play his nerd games yeah it's like they le- it's it feels like uh bioshock where in bioshock in order to get the story you have to find these little recorded tapes on the ground and towards the end of the game conveniently there's a room that has like eight tapes that explain everything and it's like okay well that's just kind of lazy bad writing and that's kind of what the the Brian situation felt like because I didn't get that much into him. It was just Del- you know you knew that Delilah was fond of him, and that's about all you knew. And then you f- stumble across his camp, and it's like whoa, they just drop all the exposition for this character on you instantly. Yeah, there was it was quite an info dump, and I do appreciate uh, most of the time in the game 
they make you fill in a lot of blanks about what the story is like. I mean, or uh, what what actual characters are like, what Henry's past is like. You get the exposition at the front where he meets Julia, but the rest of it you you have to put together. The game doesn't tell you all that much. Um, and I normally that's that's fine, but near near the end with uh, with Brian and Ned, that relationship because so much of the first half of the game is just about you getting used to being alone in the woods. Their relationship didn't feel sufficiently. Uh, it, it didn't breathe enough. I don't yeah. think because Brian's really only brought up. It, he only really surfaces in three or four ways, depending on how you count it. You run into his backpack, you run into his camp and then there's like some exposition from Ned and then you find his body. Uh, Delilah brings him up once or twice because that's that's what I said. It's Deli- you can tell Delilah was fond of him, but she was kind of nervous of Ned. Yeah. Um. But that's that's all you get. Yeah, it's so, not much. Yeah, I don't I don't think it was quite enough. But the body reveal was was very good, and it helped to have the music cue and the dramatic lighting beaming through the cave, yeah. and the and the immediate uh, reprisal of like a non optional. You have to pick up the radio and say, I just found a body. Yeah. I think it's Brian. <laughs> and then Delilah's reaction is supposed to make it all hit home. No, it, uh, that part works. I just uh, I kind of wish in a game where most of the time that mystery that mystery is helped by a paucity of information. I think in that particular case, when it comes to things like murder, you need more information. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. it doesn't feel right to know that little about what's going on there. Yeah. And I'm curious, I almost feel like it was like intentional that they didn't say much because they wanted, they did want the game to feel very lonely because right in the beginning, uh, they say, they tell you that, uh, not they Delilah says, what are you running from? Because the only kind of person who would take a job where you're alone in the woods for months at a time is someone who's trying to escape from their life on the outside. Yeah. So the whole game is set up as, as a character who has had a very shitty hand dealt to him and he's just trying to clear his head and get his thoughts together. So they want it to feel alone. They want it to feel quiet. They want it to feel very, uh, uh, not self-aware, self-reflective. And I feel it causes the reaction to the mystery that goes on and the, what turns out to be a murder mystery. I feel like it gets a little short changed as a result. Yeah. I don't, I don't think the, I don't think the Brian stuff fits quite as well into the game as I would have liked. I think, I think the earlier part of the game is better than the later part of the game that way, because Henry is supposed to be in this sort of state of solemnity in the game. And that doesn't that stops mattering once tension starts flaring up. I mean, it was it was good for a while. I the the part where they're they're trying to figure out who's tapping their radios um, got a little off the rails. (laughs) Yeah, it was uh, it was started getting a little campy, honestly, but uh I I gotta be honest. I I totally thought that there were gonna be aliens in the way they were setting that up. <laughs> I was convinced. 
Oh, that was another, actually, that was another great false flag that, uh, that again, because the game actually became serious in a meaningful way, I almost think that worked against it. Uh, one of the first false flags you ever run into um, is Delilah's talking to someone else on the radio and you can hear her talking and you can go like, who was that? Even though everything she's saying, I mean, she uses the he pronoun and that's the only reason you would believe that what she's saying has anything to do with you. And what she's talking about is so vague. It could be on any subject, but you can at that point be suspicious of her for no warranted reason. And that's, that would have played perfectly. Um, if the mystery, this is almost, it seems slightly ironic that I think my problem with the mystery is that what it is ultimately is too important. I almost wish it was less important. Oh, the mystery. Yeah. I kind of wish that it wasn't that Ned was going rogue and like his son died. And like that almost makes it, that almost makes it worse. I almost wish it was less interesting than that. Yeah. It's, I, I felt that they went a little too grandiose with it. They needed, they needed to keep it a little quieter because it's like, okay, he went rogue. Um, which actually, by the way, did you believe Delilah that he accidentally killed Brian or that Brian accidentally died in a climbing accident? Are those two different things? I thought uh, those are. Well, no, because Henry goes, oh, he died uh, while he was climbing. And then Delilah goes, Ned killed him. Oh, well, I mean, that's just a matter of intentionality. I think the way that I read that was that Ned was pushing Brian to be a man. Too much. And okay. Yeah. As a test of manhood, it uh, it went too far. I mean, that's that's kind of how I read that. Yeah, I could see that. And again, that's plausible. I'm I'm okay with that being a tragic story in the middle of this. It's just that Ned then being in the woods and investigating this research site and all that, like that makes it the way that he's tied into the research site may actually be the crux of the problem because it, I like, I'm okay with them having a research site because I actually really like that Henry trespasses on a research site and he sees like a weather vane and gets freaked out by that. And like he goes inside and there's scientific instruments and that's like, they must be up to no good because they have like, technology in this tent that made me that made me real i was laughing really hard when they when he trespasses on the site because it was yeah you open the box on the site and he says i just got stung by a bee okay they have soil here they're clearly growing something clearly growing something she's (laughs) like like, what what are you doing (laughs) he's just totally losing it because he's so nervous although he has a reason to be nervous because he was attacked yeah no there's there's an impetus been being has been getting stolen and stuff like that there's yeah there's definitely a reason for him to be on edge but it's just funny when it's all the mundane stuff and then they hand you something that's not real it's just some like like some weird technology that detects signals and conveniently points you in the right direction of the plot and that I think that device killed it for me. Well, yeah. And that's, but that's Ned. That's the problem is that that's, that's where Ned kind of interferes with the whole story in a way that I don't like. I really, I really preferred when Henry was his own worst enemy because his own paranoia was just keeping him on edge the whole time. Yeah. It's if they had kept 
Ned a lot more grounded and a little less silly. Like, yeah, he could have stu- he could have stumbled and he's living in the research base, but to have it to have him be like this technological genius who's like hacking radios and like creating devices that detect plot points and MacGuffins. Yeah, um, yeah that was that a bit- got a little silly. Yeah, I didn't like that much. I I really liked the way the uh, the two teenagers played out because that was all something that could happen. Oh yeah, well yeah, Build there being tension that because I was another another thing that happens in the game uh, that's purely optional uh, is a photo camera that you get and you can take pictures of stuff. And Delilah says, "Hey, take pictures that are really cool." So I'm using this to try to uncover the mystery. So I'm taking pictures of like beer cans all over the ground. And then like these teenagers tents, that's all destroyed and all the stuff's messed up. And I'm taking pictures of all this stuff. And then later in the game, you get a message saying the two teenagers want to file a report saying you harassed them and destroyed all their stuff. And I have photos of all of that. <laughs> so I started freaking out that I had just doomed myself because I just took a bunch of incriminating photos of me at their campsite before they had seen it when it was destroyed. Hmm. And that's all that's all played out in your mind. It, none of it comes to fruition. It's just, oh, they were teenagers. They got drunk and they're now in jail. <laughs> it, no, and that's, that, that's, the, that's the level of tension that makes that game work really well. Because, yeah. you know, there's, there's a whole exchange because uh, whatever you do to the boom box, you know confiscate it or throw it in the lake or whatever you happen to do. (laughs) Um, You know, there's potentially repercussions. You run, you know, their campsite gets attacked and they left a message, which presumably seems to be for you. And they, uh, they go missing and then they just turn up. And again, because of the way this game is structured, it's totally fine. It's not really anticlimactic that they don't show back up. Or uh, that they show back up, rather, um, because that's sort of what makes the forest scary is just there's just, everything's just like everything matters so much in the yeah. park because you can't even get a helicopter ride out of there without, um, you know, something horrible or catastrophic happening. Because <laughs> um, Delilah won't spend the 15 grand on you. But uh, it's. Everything is amplified because you're on your own in yeah. in a way that you aren't in most other games. You're not all that resourceful. Um, you have no skills. Yeah, you have no discernible skills. Yeah, your only skill is that you're really good at walking and climbing up boulders. Yeah, you're also uh, and you're really really good at landing on your feet without like spraining ankles and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, Henry is really good at dropping from long distances. He's got some strong. He's got some strong, uh, strong ankles. Yeah. But with those two talents in tow, um, you uh, everything is dangerous. Yeah, and I think that's that's definitely the game's strong uh, strong point but is the quiet moments that don't go off the rails. Well, yeah, but as a result, that makes its weakest points as well. When they try to escalate the story, it blows it out of proportion in a way that I just I didn't find very entertaining. Yeah. But they need they also needed something to push Delilah to the point where she just wants to leave and reconsole herself. 
which that was Brian's death because it doesn't matter how you build the relationship up to that build in quotes because you don't build anything. You're given the illusion you're building something, but you're really just looking into these two people's lives. Um, and Brian's death um, gives the game the urgency that it needs to wrap it up. So I understand why they did that, but the yeah the technological over the topness. If they had just skipped that, I think it would have worked yeah. brilliantly. Well, you can have again. I don't have a problem with them discovering that Brian is dead. My problem is Ned's reaction to it and what Ned, it, Ned's my problem with the game. Ned is kind of at the heart of my issues with the game. Yeah. Also, if uh, if it wasn't mentioned earlier, the voice acting in this game is brilliantly done. It's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. It's they they definitely used actors who do not sound like producers or producers kids that wanted to be in a video game. Well, and they also don't sound like they don't sound like Hollywood, even even in the good way that sometimes Hollywood actors do. Like uh, Robert Downey Jr. does not sound like a real human being, even if he is charismatic. Henry and Delilah sound like actual people when they talk. Because, yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of a lot of big Hollywood guys like your Troy Bakers and kind of stuff, they have a uh, a theatrical voice. They say everything very pronounced, very legible with well, a well, certain cater, but, ca- cadence to it. Well, but even it even when they're not doing that, good. you got um, the, the problem is no one. Very, very few human beings sound like Nathan Drake. Nobody's that suave. <laughs> that's just not that's not how people talk. People don't have that many witty comebacks. Um, their, you know, their colloquialism has a lot more, um, in it and pauses and Henry and Delilah absolutely make that convincing. Yeah, that was, that's definitely the, the, probably the strongest point of this game was the casting for those two characters was perfect. Yeah. We want to cover anything else? I think that basically covers it. It's the game is the game's really good. It, it does a lot of things that most video games do very badly. Uh, the ending, take it or leave it, is what what it's what was intended. It didn't feel like a oh we have to wrap this thing up somehow kind of thing. It leaves you thinking at least a little bit or annoyed at the fact that you didn't like Ned. The vo- the the voice acting and character progression was done pretty much perfectly. Yeah. It's it, there's no actual game to it. Uh, you bring the game yourself. I guess you, oh, push. you copy information out of those supply blockers. You gotta you gotta twist the padlock, the combination. <laughs> so one, two, three, four, so you can get into the supply cabinets. Yeah, that that is the hardest puzzle in the game. Yep, it's the mini game where you uh, you rotate the combination lock. Yeah, no plumbing in this game to open locks. Yeah. No. Oh, no, the hardest puzzle in the game is finding the wood planks. Oh. So you can repair your window. It's probably the hardest one. Also, there are way more than three planks. So that's another that's another choice system, is how far you are willing to go to find wood planks. Because it turns out there's enough just leaning against the outpost. But I found one and assumed that was all there was going to be. So I went way out of my way to find more oh. of them. Yeah, I just found them all leaning against the... Uh the outpost and then slapped him up. Well, my version of Henry is more outgoing. So <laughs> he's willing to go the extra mile. 
Yeah. Alright. If you have any interest in playing a uh, an interactive movie, yeah. this this is the one I would suggest. I frankly I enjoyed this much more than a movie. Uh because you you get to build the tension yourself. If you don't want to progress, you get to pause for a little bit. If the Tenry is a alcohol stealing, uh, abusive jerk, you can do that. Or if he's the guy who just wants to pick up trash and be left alone, you can do that. So it's really easy to connect with the character. I just I like every all the design choices for character development across those two, and I think it works better than most movies because it's locked in, but you don't feel like it's locked in. Not you as feel much, like you're no. driving. Yeah, it's got a good mood. It's got a good mood going on. Uh, I won't go quite that far. I think there are plenty of movies that are more enjoyable than Firewatch, but Jacob is... Uh, I don't like watching movies. Jacob's a special case anyway. Uh, but no, as far as as far as far games that aren't about saving the world goes, this is definitely one of the better ones. Uh, games like this, when they're... Generally speaking, when games try to be a little more desolate in their design, when they're not raising the stakes the way that a Mass Effect does or even a Walking Dead does, where you're just like, I mean, I guess the stakes in Walking Dead are pretty high. You're the, some of the sole survivors after the zombie apocalypse. But, uh, but games like this are normally trying to make a point in that way. Like uh, Gone Home is a great example of this. Gone Home is one of the quintessential indie games where you're basically just exploring an abandoned mansion trying to find these girls or try to figure out what happens and that's supposed to be you know a very intimate thing but what's happening is still so ominous and crazy and eventually leads to dire circumstances uh that even that one it still feels like it's trying to make the point that we can do a super small scale thing where you really care about what's going on. And Firewatch doesn't do that. Firewatch is literally, except again for Ned, Firewatch really is low key. Like there's really not that much happening. Yeah. And, and, it, and that, I like that, that makes me happy. Yeah. yeah. It's I, I don't, I don't buy into this escalation builds, uh, builds tension garbage. Yeah. I don't I don't like anytime they say he's going to try to take over the world. My brain automatically turns off. Yeah, (laughs) it's over. I don't care. (laughs) It's why like it's why like little stupid struggles like when you find the turtle and you're deciding whether or not to set him back down or take him home as a friend. Yep. Like that has so much more gravity than big bad guy came. He's going to rule the world. Yeah, I'm not a. Not a fan, but that's a that's a well documented opinion on the actual garbage site. So it's uh, it's enough on that. Yeah, no, definitely recommend it. It's nice and short, and uh, there will probably be a a spring break Steam sale. You can pick it up. Uh, I think it's like fifteen twenty bucks, something like that. It's worth it. It's definitely worth fifteen bucks. Yeah. Um. All right. I think that about covers it. The next consumption log is going to be on something I haven't actually just, Oh, actually it may be on Zootopia. I don't think I'm going to make the movie crew watch Zootopia. Uh, but I definitely need to say something about it. Um, given my semi unique position for evaluating that movie. Um, mm-hmm. I feel an obligation to review it. So <laughs> look out for that. Something that's like modern. <laughs> what? Look, we've done plenty of modern stuff. We did her, we did uh, Birdman. We cover oh, okay. the whole gamut. We cover okay. it all. Not just black and white films. Yeah, black and white French films. 
<laughs> uh, all right. Uh, Jacob, thanks for joining. All right. And uh, we will catch everybody, I don't know, next week, whenever the hell the next one of these comes out. On the flip side. On the flip side. Right you are. Thanks for listening. <laughs>